Now streaming, the Netflix and Swill podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Netflix and Swill podcast, your source for Netflix news, reviews, and booze. I'm Caleb. And the whole world is watching. And I am a riot cop. And I'm taking off my badge. And your name tag that you have for some reason. Uh, How are you? I'm wonderful. I am fine. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm in between those two places. Right now. Yeah. How are you? Good. I, uh, a- as we alluded to with our opening, uh, we watched the trial of the Chicago Seven and, uh, kind of like The Five Bloods. Very, very timely film. That's Netflix's subtitle for their all, all their original films this year is, uh, yeah. timely. But, uh, other than that, just not, not too much going on. Got about another week, and then I'm taking a week off, so that'll be nice. Oh my glob! What are you doing? Just staying home? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, there's a global pandemic. Uh, oh, uh, sorry, everybody who who works with Caleb, who possibly listens to the show, Caleb is going to uh, Bosnia. You won't be able to reach him at all. <laughs> That's fair. I need. I need some fucking time off, and my time off is going to be around Thanksgiving, and my time off is going to be around my family, which isn't time off at all. No. No, it's not. I don't know. I don't think I'm going to make it home for Thanksgiving, but that's kind of exciting because we're doing our own Thanksgiving for the first time. So, it'll be kind of neat. Yeah. I would love to do my own Thanksgiving, but uh, I promised... Well, I promised I'd be home for at least one of the holidays, and Ashley does not want to miss uh, the Christmases with her niece, so Thanksgiving it is. Yeah, see, I'd rather, given the choice, I'd rather go home for Christmas than for Thanksgiving, so I'll do that. Thanksgiving is a little bit easier to schedule because it's, it's always like a Thursday, Friday. I get off work for that, so all I have to do is take off a, a Wednesday and a Monday, and I'm okay. Christmas, it's like a potpourri of when it could fucking be. So it's like, well, <laughs> I could get no days off for it. I could get two days off for it in the middle of the week, and it doesn't make any sense. So ultimately, it's probably the better decision to do uh, Thanksgiving, at least for travel. Should adopt a, a standard calendar where it's always the same, right? same days of the week every year. All holidays fall on Fridays, so you get a three-day weekend every time there's a holiday. Yep. Let's get on this. Independence Day, always a Friday. But uh, Labor Day, always a Monday. Yeah. Uh, Thanksgiving, obvious. Uh, Christmas, always uh, a Tuesday, Wednesday to fuck with everybody's work schedules. So what you do is you have uh, 12 30-day months, and then interspersed between some of the months, you have five uh, special holidays that are... Uh, standalone days, not part of any month. 
and uh, there you go. You have your 365 days. Oh, and every every fourth year, you get uh, an extra day that's directly following one of the holidays. I like it. There, I just fixed the calendar. Everything's fixed now. You're welcome, world. We've solved the problem. All right, now that we've solved that timeless riddle, uh, why don't we do a segment and do What's Your Swill? Can we please get some alcohol into my mouth? He hates these cans! Stay away from the cans! Uh, and we'll start with you. What do you have? Uh, I'm boring. And also I watched a, a couple episodes of The Haunting of Bly Manor, and they serve some G&Ts, so in honor of that, for any excuse, I'm drinking a G&T. What about you? Uh, I am having a Cayman Jack Margarita. Oh my god. Um, Mr. Fancy Pants. Is that yeah, you? Uh, I I guess so. I don't know. It's a canned margarita. It's oh. made with real lime juice and agave nectar. Um, obviously, since it's uh, a canned beverage sold in grocery stores, it contains no actual tequila and is a malt liquor. Um, but I don't know. It's fine. It's, it's something that you would uh, have at like a beach party, maybe. I don't mm-hmm. know. Uh, I didn't get to go to the beach this year. There is a global pandemic. We're going to talk about the global pandemic in, in an upcoming thing, but uh, yeah, that that really has killed my mood on doing a lot of things. I, I like having the excuse of not having to go outside, but ultimately, as I said, I think months ago, I would like the option to. I'm good. That's fair. Uh, well, why don't we get into some news? Oh, shit, it's mail time. Fairly light news week, uh, so why don't you lay it on me? What what happened here? There there was a first thing, uh, and it's very light, and in that I don't think either of us watched it, but uh, according to Netflix, Ratched had uh, 48 million views in its first uh, 28 days on the platform, which is four weeks which is their standard time measurement for whether or not a show is successful. I, st- I still don't know why they made that show. I don't either. I- I'm not watching it. I-, I don't think you watched it. Uh, let us know if you watched it. What did you think of Ratched? I know a couple people said uh, they watched it or like they didn't watch it, but if you have watched it, let me know what you think, because uh, it's Ryan Murphy, and I think he's a hack. So She Ratched. And then, uh, the the news story you were alluding to, uh, a Boston news anchor has been fired due to starring in Adam Sandler's Hubie Halloween. But why, though, dot gif? So, it's it's allegedly for... I I sensationalized it because I wanted to make it seem like Hubie Halloween uh, being so bad is the reason she she was fired. Uh, (laughs) That's not the case. Ultimately, it looks like she... It was a breach of contract, so she may not have been able to appear on anything uh, regarding being a newscaster in movies or such, because that's what she's... She's dressed as Harley Quinn, doing a newscast. The The article doesn't say. All it said was breach of contract. Well, uh, Adam Sandler, give give her a job now, since you got her fired, you fucking Correct. hack. 
Put her in all of your all of your d- stupid goddamn movies that Kevin James is going to be in anyway. Just take care of this poor woman whose life you ruined, you fucking monster. I, I don't know. I feel like they're going to... I feel like somebody is going to sign her to a new... Like, someone else is going to hire her and be like, yeah, you can feature yourself in Adam Sandler movies. You know, uh, you can possibly bring us ratings. She had a chance to shoot her shot, and she did. Like... And good for her. Good for her. She could probably go anywhere she wanted after that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, she said she mistakenly violated her contract uh, and understood why management had to cut ties with her after four years. It sounds like she's just being nice, and the management is made up of fucking idiots. <laughs> tell you what, this is a well-mixed G&T. I did a good job. Which is shocking, considering the fact that this is the only mixed drink I ever make. Yeah. Um, and this drink comes in a sweet can. Let me grab your sweet can. Sweet, 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 sweet can. Another segment, please. Uh, this one's downstream, where we talk about movie trailers and series trailers and limited series. Baby, I can't control the internet. That's my favorite line! Uh, the first one is called Barbarians. It's German. Barbarian. Uh, it looks terrible. It looks, I don't know. Looks alright, I guess. Um, rival Germanic tribes must unite to drive the Imperial Roman army from their homeland. An alliance that would forever forge their history. Uh, only on Netflix October 23rd. So, um, the thing that this immediately reminded me of was Spartacus, uh, but this looks much worse. This trailer is particularly fucking garbage. There's a, there's a music beat, like, three quarters of the way through that went like, oh, this is, well, this is just a generic, we're, we're an action show trailer, trailer now. And that made me really sour. On the whole experience itself. Like, it looked fine, and then that beat kicked in, and I'm like, ah, fuck it, I'm done. Alright, uh, the next trailer is for Operation Christmas Drop, um, which appears to have been, uh, created by an AI that would take random words and, uh, create a Hallmark movie plot from them. Uh, while gathering evidence to support closing a tropical U.S. Air Force base... Uh, as though that would ever happen under this administration. <laughs> By the book, Congressional Aid warms to its big-hearted captain. Uh, so it's uh, an Air Force base that's uh, flagrantly wasting taxpayer dollars by uh, delivering Christmas presents to a bunch of uh, like island children that they're, I guess... Trying to force Christianity on, maybe? I don't know. Seems imperialistic. Um, sure, there's imperialism there, but there's yeah. also the uh, the other side of the coin where the government's like, we don't want to help uh, people who aren't white of foreign countries that aren't American citizens. Yeah. Uh, and then the world's least professional uh, captain, Air Force captain... Uh, which is uh, a very a very high military rank that yes. 
Uh, he's running around surfing and apparently on duty, just like wearing his board shorts. Um, sure. Good for him, I guess. I don't know. Uh, this looks like some schlocky Christmas garbage. And now I can't wait for our wonderful Christmas episode where we talk about this. Oh, no. So I hope you're all ready to watch Operation Christmas Drop coming to you soon on Netflix. Sigh. Um, next up is Hillbilly Eller- Elegy. That's a hard word to say. Hillbilly Elegy, a Ron Howard film. Uh, this is about J.D. Vance, a former Marine from Southern Ohio and current Yale law student, uh, on the verge of landing his dream job when a family crisis forces him to return to the home he's tried to forget. Uh, this is about uh, an Appalachian family. Glenn Close is in it, Amy Adams. Uh, it's three generations of misfit toys. <laughs> Now I can think of it as the fucking lion with the black mane and the crown and the, king and the uh, wings. <laughs> I think he was a manticore. That makes sense. But they never explicitly said that. Yeah, they, they hid his scorpion tail because it would fucking terrify the children. This is apparently supposed to be a big Netflix Oscar contender. Uh, mainly because of the fact that Glenn Close and Amy Adams are in it. And also, Ron Howard makes safe movies, so. Uh, it looks fine. Like, maybe I'll like it better when I actually watch it, but it looks fine. Uh, I did not recognize Glenn Close in this. It's good makeup work. Yeah. I couldn't tell if it was great makeup work or if she uh, got really old. Cause I haven't seen her in anything for a long 4K, time. 4K, no lost dose. Also, she she looks like old school Glenn Close, but with more wrinkles. That's really it. Like, just remember yeah. Corolla Deville, and then she looks like that. Her name was fucking Devil. Why would you let her anywhere near your dogs? I know. Uh, it took me years to put that together. Her name is Cruel Devil. Yeah. I. I it took me years to put that together. Just like it took me years <laughs> to understand Alucard was Dracula backwards. I'm not Mil-bog. good with names. It's, dra- it's goblin backwards. Yeah, when people rip on that for the it being stupid, they never they've never met me where I'd just be like, oh, okay, and, and then I'd freak the fuck out, and be like, oh my god, Nilbog. Uh, needless to say, Caleb, this will be a uh, main main topic for the show. And then at the end of the movie, it says Doctor Acula on the bottom in the period disappears and you push the two parts together and it says Dracula. That's fair. What I'm trying to say is that they need to put Troll 2 on Netflix. They need to put Troll 4, the search for Troll 3, the search for Troll 2, the search for Troll. (laughs) (laughs) That That was a long walk you took me on. But you seem to enjoy it and that's all that matters. All right, our next trailer is for The Liberator. This is a limited animated series uh, with arguably one of the worst animation decisions I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, So it looks like they filmed it all live action and then animated over it. Uh, I forget what that technique is called, 
but they did it in the movie adaptation of a scanner darkly and i i didn't think it looked good then although with that i understood why they did it this kind of looks like a telltale game in terms of art style uh and hopefully the engine to this movie runs better than any telltale game oh my god right uh that said <laughs> It's like uncanny valleyness because like I feel like they did the thing where they did the facial capture thing that video games do now, which is like they put them in like a bubble suit and then, you know, stuck like a basically like a GoPro with a camera pointed at their face and like captured their facial animations, which is why their faces look so real as compared to the rest of them, which absolutely looks like a cartoon. I just don't know if that was the correct decision. It seems like this movie has frame rate issues. <laughs> it's like the animation is not smooth. It looks like season one of uh, Dragon Prince, which everybody complained about. It's interesting, sure. I might check it out, but it that that whole animation style is just not for me. Like, yeah. like if they actually tried to fully animate everything and didn't basically just shoot live action and then you know animate it, then I'd have been fine with it. I don't think we said what it's about. Uh, it's it's a World War II um, based on a true story movie. Uh, I don't know why they would animate that. I guess to make it stand out. Uh, probably to make it stand out. And 17 billion war movies. That and I think it's they they don't have a lot of money, honestly, for it. Like I, I know Netflix has infinite money. I don't understand why they couldn't just be like, "Hey, give us like a hundred million dollars to do a World War II movie." I don't know. They can't even give us a fourth season of Glow for a hundred thousand. That show definitely costs way more than that. Yeah. But. but Caleb, Netflix is canceling all of my favorite shows. Oh no! Maybe I'll unsubscribe, but then not. Because then I wouldn't have anything to complain about on Twitter. Nef- Our Netflix is a literal cancer to my life. They're, the, they're just the dumbest people. Just don't go to it. I go to it only to find <laughs> if there's any news I'm missing. And then I still see these posts and I downvote them every single time. Because it's like, there are people on there that are like, this is why I don't watch Netflix shows. Until there's three seasons. And it's like, well, if you don't watch it until there's three seasons, but then also, on the other hand, complain about the fact that Netflix cancels shows that apparently people don't watch. Yeah. what You're making the shows get canceled. You're an idiot. That's You literally have the worst logic in the world. They're my favorite. I said that and I got downvoted, so whatever. They can't take real criticism. <laughs> All right, our final trailer is for a documentary. It is called Secrets of the Saqqara Tomb. This looks so good. Uh, Under the sands of our oldest and uh, one of our most successful civilizations, uh, The Secrets of the Saqqara Tomb is a documentary that follows a team of local archaeologists. That's a big word. Uh, which excavates never-before-explored passageways, shafts, and tombs, piecing together the secrets of Egypt's most significant find in almost 50 years. I'm here for this. I know it's probably culturally insensitive, but I'm just waiting for Brendan Fraser to hop out. (laughs) 
That'd be great if they got him to narrate this. Oh my god. Talk about oh my uh I'm very upset with Brendan that, Fraser that uh please narrate an Egyptology documentary. It'd be very funny. You also have to get Rachel Weiss in there. Yeah. God, she was gorgeous in that movie. Oh yeah. And then two thirds of the way through you replace her with somebody else because that's what they did for <laughs> number three. I don't know. I think I tried to watch number three one time and I just wasn't into it. They were like, we mined all we could out of Egypt. Let's go to feudal China. Everything has to have a sequel set in China because the Chinese market is where you make all your money now. Which problematic. uh, China stopped appropriating Egypt's culture by having mummies, I guess. I don't know. I got a better one. Hey, China, stop having concentration camps for your citizens. Yeah, that too. Um, although, we have concentration we, camps We for have concentration camps so. too. But, I mean, the news doesn't talk about those as much, so therefore they can't be real. Yeah. Because of the fake news media. Never forget that the United States had Japanese internment camps during World War II that also included other Asian people because we were scared of the, uh, wait, no, I'm, I'm not going to say any they... of the derogatory terms. Nope, not going to happen. Um, Even it's okay. It's okay. Tim Allen will tell us the derogatory term for those people in our third segment. Movie. Sure will. But, um. Also, uh, Hitler got most of his cool ideas about concentration camps and eugenics from Americans, so uh, he kind of modeled a lot of the stuff that the SS do was doing after uh, the Jim Crow laws after um, the Civil War. So, yeah. So, good job, America! You created Hitler. <laughs> Let's also never forget McCarthyism. Okay, not not so hot on McCarthyism. Got it. <laughs> eh. Trickle-down economics. I mean, that's been proven time and time again to never work, yet we, yet we still do it because we need to have the rich get richer for no reason. Make America great! If we're done, if we're done shitting on America, <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's do uh, some quick hits where we talk about stuff we watched. Uh, Dan, what do you have for me, if anything? I have very little. Uh, you, If you're a subscriber to this feed, you have seen some stuff go up regarding FilmFest 919. Uh, there are reviews for both uh, Nomadland and uh, Ammonite which are two films that are coming out soon. Uh, one is, I think actually both of those are going to theaters. Uh, so, uh, nothing you want to hear about on this episode, but if you would like to hear some non-spoiler reviews of those, go check those out on our feed. And if you're here from those, because you've never heard our show before, but listened to those reviews, thank you. Yeah, welcome. I, I don't usually complain about... Uh the country of my birth this much although i do complain about it we give ourselves like one every like eight episodes to complain yeah and we're allowed 
we understand what's hell going yeah. on. Hell yeah, we're allowed. This is fucking America. Yeah, this is literally the First Amendment. What are you going to do? Shut me yeah. down, Bill Gates? What are you going to do? Not listen? You already downloaded it, dumbass. What are you going to do? Stab me? Says man who was immediately stabbed. <laughs> <laughs> Last words of stabbing victim. So, yeah, I haven't listened to that yet, so... Uh, I will have to check that out and let you know if you did a good job. Thanks. Uh, I I do say, you know, if it's possible, go to the theaters. If it's possible. If you're in an area where they're doing things properly, go for it. If you're not in an area where they're not doing things properly, don't risk it for the biscuit. I will say, unless you can go to a drive-in theater to see it, because I very much support drive-in movie theaters, especially in this... Uh, time of the plague um, because uh, drive-in theaters are a uniquely American thing and they're fantastic and they're owned by some great people who are very passionate about films and yeah. uh, everybody should go to them all the time. Um, uh, do, do not go into a brick and mortar theater and see this. Uh, there is a global pandemic. Uh, don't, don't get mad at me. I went, I went to see Nomadland in a brick and mortar theater. Well, I also I had my on mask you. on the as whole time. As long as you were safe and yeah. And the closest person to me was like four seats away. But uh, because I wear glasses, I removed, I, I moved my mask over just my mouth. So that way I didn't fog up my glasses my entire, the entire time while watching a movie. Oh, so you were wearing a chin diaper. Yes. I covered my mouth, but I mean, I, <laughs> I was literally not going to be able to see if I kept the mask on. And that's the whole point of a movie. <laughs> uh, I watched Batman the Killing Joke. Tell me what you think before we have a full discussion on this, because I went to theaters back before the pandemic times to see this. If you are interested in the Killing Joke story, just read the comic. Mm -hmm. It's great. That is the definitive version of this story. Um. You won't regret it. Uh, I I recommend it. However, it's fine. I don't know why we had to have like an hour long Batgirl movie before they started doing the Killing Joke. Oh, to pad out the time. Yeah, yeah, they had to make it feature length. So the the Killing Joke itself is maybe forty pages, which roughly translates to forty right. minutes. Yep. Um. Which I would have been fine. Like they they've done like short form comic adaptations like that before. I would have been fine with that. But mm -hmm. um, instead of just doing uh, the Killing Joke, like they they also tacked on a, a, a Batgirl movie slash uh, Oracle origin story, uh, which is fine. I I like Barbara Gordon. Slash Batgirl slash Oracle. Um, so I didn't mind that too much. Uh, the one thing that they really nailed with this is the Joker character. Um, like they made him actually frightening. Like this is the, I think the first actually scary Joker that I've seen in anything. I don't know. Like just the way they do his lighting and like his mannerisms and stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. He's more like a like a slasher villain or something. 
instead of just a, a zany, loud uh, murderer. So I liked it. Um, I I don't know. I would watch it again. Uh, okay. I also like like in uh, in the graphic novel of the Killing Joke. Like it's kind of hard and fast that like oh this is supposed to be Joker's origin that he was just like some guy who was struggling to be a a stand up comic and like his he lost his family and like all this shit. Um. But I don't know, in this they, they kind of make it like the Joker has a line where it's like every time I try to remember, you know, what happened, like I remember things differently. So it's it's kind of like uh, in The Dark Knight where he's like telling different stories about how he got his scars and stuff. Like, right. Uh, I, I like that they did that because I don't think that the Joker should have a set origin story. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I like that every time they try to bring it up it's like well you know we don't we don't have all the details uh because you know he's either just making it up or he's just crazy and doesn't know what actually happened so so what did you think of batman fucking barbara gordon that's certainly a thing that happened i don't know um they were both consenting age, I guess. I don't know. He is like twice her age, though, and yes. best friends with her dad. Yes. <laughs> All of these things. So uh, this goes back to Bruce Tim. This is probably that's probably the most egregious thing I find about this movie is that Batman enters a consensual sexual relationship with Barbara Gordon. It's also hinted at in Batman Beyond that this exact thing happened uh, when Barbara well, Gordon is chief of police. I wouldn't call it a consensual sexual relationship as much as I would call it a moment of passion that uh, was later regretted by one or possibly both parties. Sure. Because, like, that, that's pretty much the last bit of screen time that uh, Batgirl and Batman share together, and he just kind of pushes her away after that. Yeah. Because uh, he can't get attached. He's too busy being the knight and brooding. <laughs> uh, so you, you, you asked, well, you basically rhetorically questioned uh, why put a Batgirl movie at the front of it. Uh, so as to m- not make Barbara Gordon look like such a fucking victim as she does in the second half of the movie or, you know, the killing joke. Right. And because uh, like in... In the Killing Joke, originally, like she was, uh, plot device the person, because uh, she's only there to get shot in the fucking spine and have her dad feel bad about it. Pretty much. So, I I get it. I don't like their story, but whatever. They slightly change the endings, like in the in the novel of the Killing Joke, like. Uh, the Joker tells the same joke he tells at the end of this, and like him and Batman share a laugh together, you know. And like I, I do like the whole theme of it. It's like Batman's trying to prevent one of them from eventually killing the other, mm-hmm. and like try to actually rehabilitate the Joker. But um, aside from that, like you know, the Joker tells this joke, he starts laughing, Batman laughs, and they share a laugh together. Uh, but in this, it's slightly different that, like, 
Joker stops laughing and like Batman continues to laugh as the camera pans up and the credits begin to roll. Mm-hmm. And uh, my wife had a wild interpretation of that because she was like, like, she asked me, like, wait, did did Batman fucking snap his neck there or something? And that's like he kept laughing and the Joker was dead or something. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, God, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was an interpretation that a, a few people shared, and then uh, Chris Duckman wrote on wrote in a tweet, "Tell that to Joker snap neck," and yeah. moved on. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I see the logic in it. I just, I don't know. Having uh, read the original source material, like I, that never would have crossed my mind. R- right, Bruce Tim. I, I don't want to say he played fast and loose, but he made some creative choices. For this and whether they worked or not uh is up to interpretation based off of your taste all right um well i'm glad we did a a full review of that which was more in depth than a lot of our main reviews end up being on this show so oh dude i can tell you right now our discussion of the killing joke is going to be way longer than tim allen rewires america discussion And much more positive. Much more positive. Uh, even though I come in fairly middling on it. I think that your wife, your girlfriend and my wife both wanted to kill me. Oh, well, 100%. She was very upset. <laughs> she, was, she was quite perturbed. We, this, we will get, it, we will get into that for, uh, for, for later. We'll, we'll save that for later. But uh, So since we technically both reviewed it, what would you give Batman the Killing Joke? Uh, three and half. Three and half? I think I gave it a three, but I can't remember off the top of my head. I'm going to say three. I remember it being, being like, it's fine. Like, I liked the killing joke part. The Barbara Gordon stuff was like, eh, this is not written well. That's fair. That is not me hating women. That's just me being, that's me hating the way Bruce Tim writes <laughs> at all. Okay. You need to stop prefacing reviews of things by saying this is not me hating women this isn't me hating women <laughs> i have a black friend it it implies that <laughs> i know lots of women and respect them all <laughs> <laughs> i knew i knew what you were going for when when you you said that i don't know if i did Care about oh. this person. I don't care about this person's review. I care about my review. <laughs> Did I not rate this on Letterboxd? Did Hendo really rate this a one? Okay. Uh. All right. Apparently, I didn't log this on Letterboxd. This might have been before I got Letterboxd. Whatever. Uh. Yeah. I'm giving. I'm giving it a three. It's fine. Oh my god! It's seventy-two minutes. Even. <laughs> Even with the Batgirl story, they couldn't fucking pad it out to feature-length runtime. I don't know. They could have added, like, three or four more bat sex scenes, and that would have got us there. If he could have just run the gamut on the entire Bat family, I'd have been fine with it. (laughs) Okay. Uh, With all that out of the way, it is time to jump into a quick break. And when we come back from said break, we are going to dive into our main review topic of The Trial of the Chicago 7. 
The Netflix and Swill podcast is brought to you by our patrons, Gerald Morris, Bill Sutton, Nick Haskins, Ashley the Bubby Gorski, Ben Kiefer, Paul Prezula, Daniel Henderson, Julio Oliveira, Jimmy De La Rosa, Chris Yaney, Brianna Petty, Justin Esquivel, Nate Wade, Alan Gallarisi, Duty Dutram, and Dan's mom. If you would like to become a patron of the show, find us at netflixandswill.com slash Patreon. Buy some shit. Visit netflixandswill.com slash merch. Leave a review and tell me how good I'm getting at public speaking. Visit netflixandswill.com slash Apple Podcasts. Thanks for letting us live our dreams of being professional idiots. We now return you to your regularly scheduled banter. Welcome back, everybody. Caleb, it's time to get into our main view topic for the week. The Trial of the Chicago 7. The Trial of the Chicago 7 is a new drama history thriller film, uh, which just debuted on Netflix. It is two hours and nine minutes, uh, rated R, and is an 8.0 out of 10 on IMDb. The story of seven people on trial stemming from various charges surrounding the uprising at the 1968 Democratic National Convention in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, this is directed by Aaron Sorkin and stars Eddie Redmayne, Alex Sharp, Sacha Baron Cohen, uh, and others. So, what did you think of The Trial of the Chicago 7? So we kind of spoiled uh, what I initially thought of when... You know, like the first 10 minutes passed by, and I'm like, wow, this movie sure is timely, uh, considering everything that's been going on with like all, all the Black Lives Matter protests and how quote unquote riots are starting, but it's police really brutality. The police. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there's, there's something to be said for that in terms of uh, timeliness. Now, could it have been released, you know, in the summer for even uh, added value of timeliness? Probably. Uh, but I'm not going to hold that against the movie. Uh, it's a particularly sharp Aaron Sorkin script where everybody as is at the top of their acting game. And mm-hmm. I quite like it a lot. Yeah. Um, I really, I really thought that Sasha Baron Cohen stole, stole the show kind of like, uh, you know, cause it's, he's the Borat guy, but like, right. Similar to uh, the Sweeney Todd movie, like, I had to explain to people that, like, oh, no, this is the Borat guy. Uh, you can't tell, because he's just actually a good actor sometimes. He has a, a weird talent, like, he's like a comedi- uh, a chameleon, rather. Like, mm-hmm. he can just kind of disappear into uh, a role, so. I'm a little upset that I didn't watch his uh, limited series Spy on Netflix. I think that's what it was called, a spy, but basically he's like an... Uh, an Israeli spy uh, in Egypt and considering that, you know, you're actually able to see him act as opposed to say very nice and move on. Uh, my wife, my wife, uh, and other, and other such ridiculous things. Yeah. Seeing him act, it's like a rediscovery of him overall as a professional. This movie makes the very, 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 very smart decision of uh, giving us just a little bit of setup right up front, mm-hmm. and then diving straight into the trial, uh, and then you kind of slowly throughout the course of the film piece together uh, what actually happened as you need that information uh, to go along with the plot. Uh, 
this is very smart. I'm I'm glad this is a movie where that works very well. Like I'm glad that it wasn't just told in chronological order. Right. Like like you don't get the full like the full account of the events that that culminated with their arrests until like pretty much the end of the trial. So. Yeah. Yeah, the first 10 minutes are perfectly set up. You know, uh well-scripted Aaron Sorkin stuff. It's engaging. It gets you right into it. Uh, it. You know, it explains like, you know, what was the whole what was the whole point behind these protests? Well, considering the fact that Martin Luther King Jr. and Bobby Kennedy were shot, uh, that kind of started this uprising of something we're seeing even still now of young Democrats who you know don't think the Democratic Party is left leaning enough, and that mm-hmm. makes them go to Chicago to want to protest the convention, and. I think it's also trying to say that, you know, the Democratic Party is still the establishment, despite the fact that, uh, for the most part, when you have left-leaning people, you think of them as anti-establishment, especially now. One of the main messages of this film that uh, is very timely is uh, the the problems inherent with uh, the police force in America. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I I live in a very, we'll say, right leaning area. Um, you can't escape. I I e uh, fucking racist and deplorable, uh, and stupid. Yes. Um. So I see like the fucking like people have the the blue line flags everywhere, uh, which I think that that's like the worst. Sim- like that's basically. Like, if you have a blue line flag, you're saying that, like, I want to wear a swastika, but I'm too scared of being called out for it, (laughs) basically. Like, uh, I don't know, like, the idea that, you know, the thin blue line, like, the police are the only thing standing between, like, the people and pure anarchy is inherently toxic and problematic. Blatantly uh, false. Used... And blatantly false and used to justify horrible, horrible things. Um, I think that we should defund the police. I think we should demilitarize the police. I think that most police should not have guns. What are, what are you, some kind of European? <laughs> um, but I don't know. Like, gun ownership in itself is kind of problematic. And I, I am a gun owner, and I you know, don't want to give that up and don't want, you know, to force other people to give it up. But I'm uh, in favor of common sense gun laws, which I guess makes me a fucking commie or something. Well, common sense implies the fact that other people have it and they don't. So, and I also don't want to be shot to death, which I guess makes me a a fucking commie pussy or something. I don't know. I I would like, I would like for people to not, perform, you know, no-knock raids where multiple people are killed because no one knows what the fuck is going on. Yeah. Or a cop, like, accidentally goes into the wrong apartment because they're drunk and uh, shoots and kills the person who lives there, uh, which is a thing that happened. Yeah. And then the then the right-wing media decided, oh, let's talk about how this guy was pro- formerly yeah, a criminal. He had a bag of weed on him. He's He's a criminal. Oh, my God. Which, you know, 
let's that totally justifies uh, this person being murdered. All killing is murder. Like it doesn't matter what your reason is. If you if you kill somebody, I don't know. I saw. I think it was on um, the John Oliver show, which that show's fine. It, it has its own issues, but like, um, he was talking about the police and everything uh, on a recent episode, uh-huh. and he showed like a clip from a police training video, and it was basically like, if if you're not capable of enthusiastically ending a human life, you need to find a different career, and it's just like, holy shit. Well, uh, one of, one of the YouTube channels that you and I frequent watched uh, uh, the greatest movie ever made called Surviving <laughs> Surviving Edged, Edged Weapons. Weapons, and they brought up the point <laughs> during their interview or during their review that, like, basically watching everything that could possibly go wrong during any kind of interaction with a a, a civilian uh, kind of has you understand why they're so scared all the time. Because they're trained to see everything as a threat rather than, like, being able to use their words to solve big boy problems. Right, which which is an inherent flaw. So this is, this is the point that I wanted to make with um, the, the flaws and problems that are inherent to the American police system. I'm, I'm sure that, like, quote-unquote good cops exist somewhere out there. Like, yes. Not all not all cops are going to go out and beat people and uh, shoot them wantonly and stuff. But like, all cops are a part of a system that directly like benefits from those actions, and they all cover each other's backs. So, like, I'm I'm one of those all cops are bastards people, <laughs> like. There really aren't any good ones because even the good ones are part of that system. Mm-hmm. And, you know, directly or indirectly, you know, whether they take part in those horrible behaviors or not, like they are benefiting from it. Uh, in a roundabout way, that's what this, this movie is entirely about is the fact that yeah. police brutalized seven protesters or so, or so uh, and then uh, used. What they never go into it, and but it looked like they sprinkle some crack on them. Yeah, they sprinkle some crack on them. Also, it looked like they entrapped them for the most part because, like, anytime, yeah. uh, because like there's a sequence where a bunch of you know Chicago PD detectives show like testify on the stand, and you see them like infiltrate the gang at, or not gang, but infiltrate the uh, the protest as people who are seemingly with their movement. But then, like, you see them conversely against it. It's like, hey, man, if you ever need a weed hookup, I'm your guy. And it's like, well, that's entrapment. And it's like, hey, man, yeah. if you ever need to set fires to somebody's house, I'm your guy. And it's like, well, that's entrapment. I, I witnessed this, and I'm just like, all of the stuff that pl- the police did here was illegal and actively led to what happened. Not even, uh, and I don't even just mean, like, them showing up with, like, pellet guns and tear gas. I mean, like, those kinds of people help influence a mob mentality where they're they're on the inside and they go, oh, let's fucking do something. Yeah. Rather than, you know, some of us trying to help the rest of us, it becomes us versus them. And, uh, yeah, like, there was, like, aside from just, like, trying to, 
entrap people that way. Like they physically trap people. It's like they're, you know, they go to March, you know, to demonstrate at the convention or whatever. And then like there's fucking tanks with like barbed wire and shit out in front of them that are like pushing towards them. So they're like, all right, we have to turn around. They turn around and they're fucking boxed in by like hordes of police who just beat the fuck out of them. So, right. Like, what are you supposed to do in that instance? Like, just let them. I wouldn't just yeah. let them beat me. Let's talk about Frank Langella as Judge Julius Hoffman, uh, who confused me for a couple moments when he first showed up because I was like, uh, that that looks like Alan Arkin, but I can tell that it's not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh my God, this is the second Frank Langella movie we, we've watched this month. Uh, I... I quite like his his performance, not his character. His character was fucking infuriating. Like, oh yeah, I I watched that trial. And I'm like, how is this judge fit for anything? Like, how do you how how does nobody just go? Well, this judge is a piece oh, uh, of shit. I don't know. And then they they do the like, where are they now thing at the end, and it's like, yeah, after this, he was found unfit to. Well, it's just a survey. You know, I don't know if that actually stuff, does anything. But... Yeah, like it was yeah, 70, I don't know. It was seventy-eight percent of like trial attorneys went. This guy is completely unfit to serve as a judge. But like, we don't see that he was removed. It was just basically everyone. Er, we're showing you what you already know. This guy was unfit to really be on the bench, and people and attorneys agreed with us. Yeah, um, I like Frank Langella a lot. Uh, he was Skeletor in the Masters of the Universe movie uh, and gave one hell of a performance despite the fact that that movie is utter dog shit. Like, if you've never seen it, just look up clips of him from that movie because, like, there's there's no universe in which Masters of the Universe starring Dolph Lundgren deserved Frank Langella. <laughs> so... Uh, there's that. Did anybody else stand out to you in terms of performance? Eddie Redmayne was great. Like the, the, he, his character didn't really switch on for me until the third act. Like he gives more of like a subdued, passive performance for the most part throughout most of the movie. But then when, when the movie needs him to kind of rise up and be the hero a little bit, he does a good job of it. He's like that establishment Democrat, almost. Like, he, he understands that, you know, the current Democrats are n not nearly effective enough for him. But he wants to go through it. Uh, he wants to go about change in, like, a proper manner, which is protest and other such things. But he also wants to be respectful to the system because he is somewhat adherent to the system. I also really liked uh, Jeremy Strong as Jerry Rubin was the character. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I liked his performance. Mm -hmm. And sorry, I'm looking up names. Uh, Yahya Abdul Mateen II as Bobby Seal. I mean, the uh, Black Panther leader who they they like forced to be part of this trial also so that like the defendants would look scarier because there was a black guy there. That is 100% true. And, and like, they won't postpone the trial because his attorney's in the hospital, and then just like eh, fuck it, you're 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 like, and that's something Frank Langell argues all the time is that like he's, he's sitting, like, but there's right a lawyer right there. It's like yeah. I, it's it's infuriating because like 
they establish right up front, my attorney is this person. Mark Rylance is not my attorney. And, but Frank Langell is like, you're an attorney. You represent him. It's like, that's not how the, that's not how the system works. Like, and that should have been like strike one, two, and three when he immediately said that. What, like, there's no reason for this man to to have sat on the bench at all. <laughs> it's one of those movies that pisses you off in a good way. Oh yeah, you know. Uh, I also, of course, love Cadillac in, in this. Uh, he doesn't sound like Yahya Abdul-Mateen the second at all. He sounds like a completely different person, uh, which is acting. He's character acting, which. Whatever, I'm fine with it. I like him yeah. in most things he does. So. I always, <laughs> I always forget that he was Cadillac because it's been so long since I watched the Get Down. I mean, fucking Cadillac was great. Cadillac is one of my favorite characters ever. Every time someone talks about Yaya Abdul Mateen the Second, there's always that gif of him disco dancing that I immediately post. Just to remind everybody that the Get Down is still a thing, and it's an amazing performance from him. And also that Justice Smith can act. Watch if you just watch that. Yeah. So we got performances. We got uh, our social justice issues out of the way. Is there anything else you want to say about the trial of the Chicago Seven? Fuck the police. Defund the police. All cops are bastards. Um, Michael Keaton shows up in this. Oh yeah. Kind of laid into it. He's fantastic. Um, great little bit part from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, watch this movie. It's quite good. Yeah. Uh, some, some would say the best Netflix original movie of the year. Some would say that, uh, and some would be probably correct. I do have to rewatch The Five Bloods, though. That is, uh, that's on my to-do list. Uh, otherwise, I, I mean, like, Superlatives, the script is great from Aaron Sorkin. It's very biting. It's very time like I said, very timely. The the performances are all great. It's no bad like I I struggle to find anything bad about this movie. Yeah. Um Yeah, there's not really anything that I didn't care for. Like I don't know, sometimes uh like courtroom dramas and like historical dramas can get kind of dry, like this was this was very well paced. So that Aaron Sorkin, he's got a hell of a career in front of him. Yeah. So, what would you All give right. the trial of the Chicago Seven? Uh, I'm gonna go with four stars. I am also going with four stars. Well, uh, why don't we take a short break, and when we come back, we will show you our dick pic. It wasn't, it wasn't even a cool dog, like a Rottweiler. <laughs> no, it's like, no, a schnauzer. schnauzer almost took me off the earth. <laughs> so, did you drink a lot? Did you yeah. uh, do drugs? I mean, what? Yeah, I, yes, to both. <laughs> and I got to tell you, I, I was an ass. Really? For the bulk of those years. Okay, just and like, what, you mean arrogant? The, the arrogant, it was just all about Phil Moon, whatever Phil Moon could do to benefit Phil Moon. Okay. Uh, and I didn't care who I walked on, who I stepped on, who I angered. Have you ever passed someone on the sidewalk and wondered what their story is? What makes them tick? What makes them who they are? I'm Nathan Wade, and I'm the host of Everyone Has a Story podcast. Each week, we interview an average person and explore the events that have impacted, shaped, and molded them into the individuals they are today. In this world of vicious social media rants and bitter partisan politics, 
We need to put the Facebook down and shut the Fox News or CNN off and take our neighbor a plate of cookies. I'm trying to do my small part here to bring people a little closer together. So grab your favorite beverage, find a comfy chair, and join me in on the conversation. Everyone Has a Story releases a new episode every Monday morning. You can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You can also listen and subscribe at everyonehasastorypodcast.com. Remember, everyone is unique. Everyone has a story. What's yours? I did it, Dan. I fucked up. I fucked the whole way up. So we're just done with phrasing, right? Jesus, look at that black cock. So if you've never listened to the show before, a Dick Picks is a segment where uh, we take a random dictionary word and run it through the Netflix search algorithm and uh, watch something related to it. And my word was wire. So as as a fun goof... Uh, I made us watch Tim Allen Rewires America, a 1991 Showtime stand-up comedy special uh, taped at the Power Center for the Performing Arts in Ann Arbor, Michigan, which is now a fact that I know. This was mercifully 29 minutes uh, and somehow holds a 5.8 out of 10 on IMDb. (laughs) Fucking somehow. Uh, Making it 0.6 stars better than Tall Girl. Is that updated as of now? Tall Girls uh, a 5.2? Uh, last I checked, uh, yes, Tall Girl is a 5.2. Oh, and to call back to old jokes, this is one-sixth of an Irishman. Yeah, it's also true. <laughs> I don't know if <laughs> what I would rather do. I, I probably would rather watch The Irishman again than watch uh, I this agree. six times. Oh, wait, did you say you'd rather... Compare compare watching this to watching this six times to watching the Irishman. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude, I'd rather smash my balls with a hammer six times than watch this again. <laughs> oh fuck, that would be so arduous. I want to see if there's a if there's a Guinness World Record for how many the most consecutive times watching Tim Allen rewires America. <laughs> Uh, um so this uh this is a 30 year old comedy special um this aged like a fine milk yeah oh my god this is horrifying (laughs) we're 30 years removed from this yeah um in this tim allen talks about uh, how he wants to be a masculinist instead of a feminist, and then explains that it's not against women. He's just into to manly stuff. Uh, and and by and by manly stuff, he means uh, tools and industry and uh, ownership of property. And he leaves women the kitchen. Yes. Uh, so gender roles, everybody. We're back to good old gender roles. Uh, the other thing about it is. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know, man. How? How? Why is this on Netflix? Why would you pay money to acquire a Tim Allen comedy special from a hundred f- million years ago? Why'd you do it, though? Do you owe Tim Allen something? What does he have on you? 
Uh, um, something I don't need anybody to ever tell me again is how men and women are different. Oh, 100%. Like, we get they're different. But that doesn't, yeah. it doesn't mean that women can't like cars and tools and in, industrial yeah. shit. So, I, <laughs> uh, I, I belong to a, a Magic the Gathering memes subreddit. And uh, somebody had the thing there like, oh, my name's Carmen because I like cars and men. What's your name? And they said, Brago, King Eternal, which is the name of a magic card. And I <laughs> thought it was very funny. It is very funny. Uh, so you and I both made a huge mistake regarding Tim we Allen watched this. <laughs> Rewires America. Other than watching this. It is how we uh, watched it. We roped it. our significant others into it. Yeah. So Ashley has apparently seen this before, and she remembers the uh, the the bit about uh, vacuuming in the house, where like Tim Allen like picks up something off the ground that couldn't be vacuumed, throws it back down in front of the vacuum to vacuum. He gives it up the vacuum the... another shot. Yes, I've heard at least three other comedians do that bit. Sure. Uh... She remembers that, and she's like, oh, yeah, I want, uh, yeah, I definitely want to watch this. Uh, and so it was kind of her fault that she watched it, because she was like, yeah, I want to watch this again. And then f- five minutes in, was completely horrified as to what was, ha- like, she was viscerally angry <laughs> listening to Tim Allen. Uh, she's like, I think this might, like, retroactively ruin home improvement for me. Yeah. Um. Well, I interrupted my... Wife from uh, a rewatch of uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, an objectively great film, and said, hey, I have to watch this bullshit for the show. She's like, well, you got to do it. Uh, So we began watching this and she turned to me and says, you have fucked up. (laughs) You you have fucked this all up. Yeah. (laughs) Like... This feels like 1950s comedy that was somehow told in 1991. I was two years old. 154 people rated this on IMDb. Find, find us a 10-star review. One person has actually written a review for it. Okay. What does that one person say? Uh, four stars out of ten... Uh, Tim Allen Rewires America is a stand-up special from 1991, so this is already almost 30 years old. And you can find the name of the star in the title here. It is Tim Allen. Thanks. Uh, known, mo- known mostly for the television show Home Improvement, and his award-nominated half-hour is one of several comedy specials he made in his long career. I must say I always find it a bit baffling how his approach to stand-up comedy is very masculine, very virile, uh, because honestly, physically, he never struck me as the type of guy for this idea of comedy. And it also is a bit heavier and less politically correct, which I actually liked. Okay. One example is when he calls his 18-month-old daughter a bitch. Oh, well, not for everyone that much is safe. Wait, what? What? Oh, well, not for everyone that much is safe. What? Did this person have a stroke trying to do, like, backflips to defend this comedy special? Yeah. 
Oh, by the way, the director is Ellen Brown. Yep, a woman. And she is mostly known for her long with Jay Leno that brought her a handful of Emmy nominations. Hey, a woman directed this, therefore it's okay. Maybe, (laughs) maybe, just maybe, if you thought with your brain, uh, a woman directed this because she had to. She had to. She was told that she must. Um, Yeah. Black people can't be racist. Uh, Women can't be sexist. Oh, they they end it by saying, uh, I guess people who saw this in Michigan live that night did enjoy it, but seeing this at home now so much time later, I don't know. I gave it a thumbs down. Watch something else instead. Say they spend all this time defending it, and then it's kind of spiked the ball at the one-yard line there. Yeah. Some people, man. Some people. Uh, Is there anything else you want to fucking say about this piece of shit? Uh, I liked Tim Allen better when he was a cocaine dealer. A cocaine dealer who then ratted on all of his friends and then uh, pled out of any kind of wrongdoing and then went and on to have a very successful mustache. television career. Yeah. He did have a fucking rocking mustache. Uh, the the only notable thing about this is I ne- I've never watched Tim Allen stand up before, so I never really understood why he did the the ah 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 thing in home improvement and now i know why yes um home improvement is a direct extension of his stand up comedy uh persona which, so. which i never knew because i was like 8 watching home improvement so i didn't care it was just like oh he's making funny noises ha 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 yeah um I don't know, and we get like uh, we get to kind of part the water veil in this a bit, and like uh, get a peek behind the kimono, and and like see the origin of why he does his different grunts, and uh, it's uh, stupid. Yeah, uh, I'm giving this a one, the lowest rating we can do on this show. Yeah, which is unfortunate because it it's still twenty percent on our scale. Yeah, right. Um do not watch this thing. No. Ne- never. In fact, if Netflix ever introduces a, uh, an ignore or not interested button, uh search this out, click not interested on it, and then uh proceed on with the rest of your day. No. <sighs> uh Netflix did add the like random picker thing yeah like when you're selecting your profile like you have a button under your picture that like just lets you watch a random thing Mm -hmm. uh and i'm terrified to use it because of what they might serve me based on my watch history but now caleb we have more content that we can add to the show we have another segment yeah yeah I don't know. We already we already got the fucking random pick segment locked down. It's it's perfect and beautiful the way it is. Fine. <laughs> if if we had a very good segment title for it, I would consider it. <laughs> Why the fuck am I watching this? 
<laughs> uh, I think all the segments are secretly called that. It's like, uh, I don't know. It's like a prog rock suite where like that is the the overall title, and it's like, why the fuck am I watching this? Uh, first movement, uh, dick pics. I see you've gone with some Coheed and Cambria terminology. <laughs> For, uh, volume one from Fear Through the Eyes of Madness. <laughs> uh, what the... I'm very sorry. What the fuck are we doing next week? Well, next week uh, is our spooktacular, our, our fifth annual spooktacular, uh, yeah. where we will once again be joined by Wonder Bread. To talk about uh, horror stuff. Spooktacular 5, The Skeleton Strikes Back. Nailed it. Or something. Um, yeah, we're still going with the Star Wars movie naming convention for some reason. Because the first one we called uh, Spooktacular 1, The Phantom Spook or something. That is exactly correct. And uh, I don't remember all of the Spooktacular titles. I really... Man, I really hope that the second one wasn't called Attack of the Spooks because the optics on that are very not great. Uh, it, I think it was Attack of the Wonder Bread because I said, there's no way I can let this be Attack of the Spooks. Yeah. And then we did what? Um, uh, yeah, Spooktacular 1, the fan of Spook. Spooktacular 2, Attack of the Wonder Bread. So good job, us, for recognizing the, the uh, prob- the problem... Optics with uh, Attack of the Spook. Yeah. And then uh, Revenge of the Podbean featured podcast was three. Oh! Because that's... we were featured on Podbean. That, that's a, okay, that's a really good one. That's a really, um, really good one. And then Spooktacular 4, A New Spook. And then this one is uh, Spooktacular 5, uh, The Skeleton Strikes Back. Perfect. Uh, <laughs> all that to say, uh, on next week's show, we will be reviewing The Haunting of Bly Manor. This, the show. Yes, it came out like three weeks ago. No, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. Um, I'm going to try to squeeze in Vampires vs. the Bronx and have a review for that too. Uh, but our third segment next week will be Corey's Shitty Horror Movie Corner uh, for Hubie Halloween, where we will be uh, joined once again by perennial guest host Wonder Bread uh, to fucking review this stupid bullshit Correct. that people keep insisting isn't that bad. <sighs> I'm, I'm coming to hate Halloween. Like, Halloween was always one of my favorite holidays. I'm beginning to hate it. Why? Because of this show. Oh, well, I mean, that's your own fault. <laughs> uh, that said, all this episode does give me our our favorite sound drop, my my most favorite sound drop that we ever use. But we only use it one time a year, and it is the sound drop for Corey Shitty Horror Movie Corner. Yeah, it's it's the best. This movie fucking sucks. Fun fact: uh, back when I lived with my parents, I recorded that, and uh, I uh, pointed my microphone at my bed sat all the way back where I would sit to watch movies and such, and then scream that out. So that's why it sounds like <laughs> I'm very far away from the microphone. Because I am. Because he had to be. There's a little inside baseball for all of you. Thank you to Space Weather for the use of our theme song, uh, which is called... 
Hubie Halloween Day. Hubie Halloween Day. Hubie Halloween Day. Do you like my it's new movie, Hubie Halloween? My name is Hubie, and it's time for my Halloween. Can we do the whole review in that voice? I'm pretty sure someone would uh, drive to our homes and shoot us. <laughs> uh, and then I would never have to watch an Adam Sandler movie again. That is the trade-off. Uh, tell them stuff, Dan. Uh, you can find our show at NetflixAndSwill.com. NetflixAndSwill.com slash Apple Podcasts for podcasts uh, on Apple Podcasts and to review us there. NetflixAndSwill.com slash Spotify uh, gets you our Spotify show. Uh, NetflixAndSwill.com slash Patreon takes you to our Patreon page. NetflixAndSwill.com merch takes you to, to our merch. I mean, NetflixAndSwill.com. It, it, it just throw like throw like a URL slug after NetflixAndSwill.com. See what fucking comes up. Who knows? It's a gamble. Uh, yeah, listen to all of our Film Fest 919 stuff because uh, it's the one time we ever get anything early. Like the the two movies I reviewed so far are coming out in a month and then six weeks, and that's kind of awesome. And I would like to rub it in Netflix's fucking stupid face that we're watching something early without them. <laughs> That's it. I guess we'll fucking catch up with you next time for for all that nonsense that we just talked about. I'm, I'm not enthusiastic about fucking watching Hubie Halloween. Uh, until next week, this is Caleb saying we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye.